Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 102 of Girl Next Door. You might be listening on Spotify or your Apple podcast, but as we've said the last couple of episodes, we are actually now also on YouTube. Not always visual, often it's just audio, but today a bit of a treat. Um, We are back here with our camera because I have got a really special guest. Um, So what we're going to hit up today is a continuation of last week's podcast or the week before actually before we had Victoria um, we've been talking about this whole modesty purity and I'm really you are going to love today's conversation because I have got someone who's just become a friend Katie who is actually here in Brisbane but she's going to tell you her story because she's not from Brisbane But she and I connected on Instagram and she was telling me some of her story. And I'm like, Katie, you've got to come and join me for a podcast. And she's got kids. And so I I don't know if they're napping right now, but we've made it work. So Katie, thank you so much for joining me, a random stranger and coming and chatting and telling us your story. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be able to share it. I I can't wait. I think this is going to help so many people. Um, So before we start, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Because I'm sure everyone is thinking, who are you? Yes, definitely. So I'm an American living in Australia. My my husband is Australian. We have been living here for eight years now. Um, We met in college or university in the States, got married, moved over. I have three kids. And we're part of Downpour Church in Brisbane. And yeah, that's, that's a nutshell version. <laughs> so you're not able to go back and visit family right now? No, I'm not. So that was, and, and family also can't come visit us. So recently we've actually had our third child, um, Eden. She was born last October. Um, and so we've been just waiting for those borders to open up so that either, you know, we can go visit or my parents can come meet the new little one so it's very it's very interesting um interesting time you never think that you won't be able to get back you know that thought never never crossed my mind no like years and years ago decades ago when people left their country they knew that they probably wouldn't see their family Um, again or very you know maybe 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 not but we never thought that that would happen now in today's society no it's crazy it's like you couldn't there was nothing to prepare you for that either so, no. Yeah, we're we're waiting. <laughs> oh well, I hope that you can see them soon. I've got friends in the same boat, and they're just yeah. gutted that they can't go yeah. and see family. Yes. Oh, well, um, we're going to talk a bit more and unpack this whole purity thing today because you've got quite a story. Um, before we do that, you had to listen to Isaiah's and my podcast on Modest is Hottest, which was yeah. a response to a song of a guy that I'd never heard of before. Had you ever heard of Matthew West? No, not by name. I'd probably know some of his songs if I had a look and listened, but I, I didn't know him just by name. Yeah, no, I'd never heard of him before, but it came up on my feed because all of a sudden everyone's cancelling, bagging, 
criticizing yeah. this guy and I was like but the song was funny I thought it, I thought it was funny anyway but yeah, yeah. Tell, tell me what you thought what were your thoughts about that I know you had a listen Oh, well, so in terms of the, I loved the discussion on that song in particular, Modest is Hottest, and because that's kind of the culture I grew up into. You even mentioned like um, the example of like a, a dad having a gun, you know, when the boyfriend comes to take the girl out. And that was totally like, I, I had friends who like their fathers actually sat on the front porch and cleaned a gun when their, when their boyfriends came over. I'm not even kidding. Like it actually happened. Um, and so I think that I, I didn't get a chance to actually see the, the video. You mentioned that it was a lot more tongue in cheek if you saw the video because they were clearly doing things that were not, they, they, he wasn't being serious. Oh, exactly. um, and so I think that, you know, I loved what you guys talked about in terms of the, the cancel culture and how you, you know, it's, it's so, um, it's so the thing right now to just take someone and, and say, okay, well, you've said this and I don't agree, so I'm not supporting you. And even the fact of, you know, holding them accountable to your own standards in the name of tolerance is yes. so interesting. It's the most um, intolerant tolerance I've ever seen. Yes, yes, yes. It's in, in yeah, it's cherry-picked tolerance, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I... I loved what you guys, uh, you know, were talking about. And even in, uh, I think in purity culture, you mentioned that, you know, your upbringing was very, very different to um, the stories that you're reading about. And even, you know, as we discussed a little bit, even my story. Yeah. And so I'm really excited to share the yeah. other side of it um, from a perspective that, you know, is kind of woven with grace as well <laughs> for the, yeah, for the because yeah. I'm doing a, a book club at the moment um, where we're about to start this week. And I don't know if you've heard of the, the lady from God is Grey and the book is on her knees. And she grew up in an evangelical Christian youth group. And she, you know, the whole purity, the pledge, the ring, she was hardcore for it. She totally flipped. Very similar story to you. Hmm. But she's landed really differently. She's landed that she loves Jesus, but pretty much anything goes. And um, oh. I think now that we've got people uh, that, you know, we can access people's stories right around the globe. So it doesn't oh. matter that I might've grown up in Australia. Young people now are hearing the perspective of people from all over the world. And the message that we're getting is that the way that we've taught purity, purity culture in church is harmful and bad and we need to throw it out. Um, and this is where I thought your story is incredible because you grew up in that culture Yes. Um, and you had quite an experience, but have landed in a great space. And so that's what I wanted you to share today. So tell us a bit about how you grew up, because I'm pretty sure it was pretty different to me. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I grew up in a very um, conservative town in the southern part of the United States. Mm -hmm. And everybody was a Christian. I mean, the mailman was a Christian. The chickens were Christian. Like, Everybody was a Christian in this town. And even, even if you weren't, you said that you were Christian just for the sake of conversation. And so where purity culture kind of infiltrated was not so much for me in a youth group setting only. It was kind of the, the culture of the town that I lived in. Um, and so uh, my negative experiences didn't really happen in my particular church growing up. So I had a very um, love your neighbor kind of church. It was very... Uh, you know, kind of look for, look for the people on the edges and bring them in. And so I am so glad that, that I was able to, to experience that as well. But 
I think growing up, um, I was a pretty switched on kid. And so any kind of like discrepancies I would pick up on pretty quickly. And so one of the first things that I noticed was that there was a different um, dress code for boys and different standards for boys than there were for girls. And, and that confused me. And so an example of that would be, let's say that there was a summer trip and we were going swimming. The boys would be able to have their shirts off wearing their um, swimming trunks, but the girls had to be in one pieces with a t-shirt and maybe even shorts over the one piece. <laughs> That's how I grew up. And I was just a bit confused, right? So I'm like, why don't the boys have to at least have a shirt on? Like, I was happy with that. Let's just keep it consistent. Like, maybe the boys should also have a shirt on because why not? <laughs> um, so that's, that's, a small, that's a small example. Um, but another, another um, I guess we could talk about the, the education, like, like sex education for me growing up looked uh, a bit different, I guess, than what it may have been for you or for someone who didn't come from quite a conservative, quite as conservative of a place. Um, so sex education probably started in middle school, like middle school for us. And I remember just having like everything that was taught about sex was negative and I'm, I'm this is not the Christian teaching yet this is just like the general um, abstinence only let's prevent anybody from having sex ever it's pretty much what what it what it felt like um, and so I noticed that like there was a ton of attention that was brought to um, you know things like STDs and teen pregnancy and uh, that kind of thing but there was no I didn't really feel like I was educated on the whole, you know, picture of, of what it was. So it was a lot of, you know, abstinence only. Um, if you, if you are sexually active, bad things are going to happen basically is, is what, what we were taught in school. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was, it was very, it was very one-sided. Um, and so I remember I was probably in, ninth grade, my early, early high school. So in the States, we start um, high school at ninth grade, nine through 12. Um, and I remember just starting to, to research sex education on my own because I was curious and I didn't have the conversation with my parents. What I was being taught in school just didn't feel like the whole, the whole story. And so I actually came across um, a website and I can't remember the name of it now. And I can't remember, I don't think it was specifically Christian, um, but its goal was basically sex education, just, you know, factual, you know, education. And so I remember what I was reading on that website was different than what I was being taught. So I was actually taught in um, school. This was a, um, a, it was a Christian class in school, but we covered sex education in, in high school. And I remember the instructor teaching us that contraception basically wasn't effective. And then I'm getting very different information on this website that says, oh, contraceptive is 99.9% .9 effective in some cases. And so again, I'm noticing like, okay, there's something missing here. Like this doesn't seem to be the whole story. And I remember I actually spoke up a bit in class one time because I, I, 
uh, didn't, I just, I felt like the injustice of it. And I was like, I don't know that this is the full story. And I remember <laughs> this was a really uncomfortable and like, I was a very respectful kid. So being like cheeky was not my thing, but yeah. I felt so strongly about the fact that like, this just wasn't true. Yeah. Um, and they so, tell you that to keep everyone away from sex before marriage, that contraception didn't work. So to scare people not to do it to, otherwise you'll get pregnant. Yes, I think that that was the bias that, yeah. that was coming through. And, and I, don't, I don't doubt that that's what that teacher was taught. So I don't think that the teacher was specifically trying to lie to, to us, um, but I think that that's the material he was given to, to teach. Yeah. And so that's what he was, he was teaching. So, again, no animosity towards, you know, him, but there just there seemed to, it just wasn't adding up. There was more to it, and I knew there was more to it. Um, yeah. And so I, when I was, um, when, yeah, when I, where should we go from here? So the Christian education, this so is dating at the time. No, no. But so this started is dating soon after. Yes. Yes. So I started dating, um, in around ninth, ninth, 10th grade. I can't remember. It was, it was a while ago, but around, around then. Yeah. And, um, I remember that my, um, the, before I go there, the, 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 cause I've talked about the education in a school setting. Um, but I'd like to speak just a little bit, touch on the, um, education and the kind of the teachings that I heard in youth groups. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we had, um, we had certain groups, Christian groups that would even meet before school. So not all of these happened in youth, youth groups specifically, but just Christian meetings for youth. Let's just say that. Um, we would have uh, messages that were taught to us. And, and I remember one of them was an analogy where uh, we were all taught to or asked to pass around a cup. Oh, everyone was meant to just spit a little bit in the cup which is gross. Like just the fact, like that's gross. Just right. automatically. So everyone passed the cup around and at the very end of the message, the cup was brought to the stage and someone was asked like, okay, who wants to drink out of this cup? And of course, like nobody wanted to drink out of the cup. Um, but that cup represented what happens when you sleep with people. So it's like every time, every time you, you know, are sexually active or whatever, you're, you're damaging yourself basically was, was the the message. Um, And so that, that's kind of the lens that I saw uh, virginity through was like this, like pinnacle of worth in terms of like your suitability for a partner was like you being a virgin. And if you weren't like, you know, I don't even the damaging side to purity culture like if I could give a definition of of the purity culture it, it's it, you said it exactly then that virginity is the pinnacle that's yes. like the ultimate goal yes. and um prevention is the goal so yes. prevention like don't have sex before marriage and then shame is the means to get everyone there yeah and that's not biblical yeah so it, even that spitting into the cup I understand the analogy. Um, I get it, but there's so much shame attached to that. Who wants to be the the person that, oh, I'm, I'm all that spit in the cup because I've slept with five people or six people. Now I'm, I'm the dirty spit in the cup. Like, uh, and so you grew up 
with that. Yes, yes. And and the thing or the um the side that was missing was um, you know, well what do you what do you do if you've got a, a cup full of spit? Like what then? It was there, there was never it was like don't be this, but there was never um what if you are alternate yes right. yes there was never the the other side yeah and so um I thought that I fell in love when I was in ninth grade and had a uh really romantic relationship and um so my boyfriend and I were, were sexually active and so can I just ask right there yes. were yes. you thinking everything that you'd been taught by parents youth group school yeah didn't work clearly no, it didn't because I was taught that like, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. And, yeah. you know, in the context of our relationship, like it didn't seem to be bad. It seemed to be a good thing. It seemed to be something that would, you know, bring us closer together. And it, it just, it wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was equipped. Um, Sorry, someone's trying to ring me on my phone right now. <laughs> bring them on, see if they have anything to say. <laughs> Sorry, there we go. So you disappeared for a second and came back. Sorry. That's yes, right. keep going. Yeah. So yes. Yes, so you you grew up. I've lost my train of thought now because that phone call. <laughs> uh, no, we were talking about. Um, yeah. So it didn't it didn't work because in the context of your relationship, you're like, well, you know, nothing bad happened to me. I didn't. You know, I'm I've slept with my boyfriend and everything's okay. So everything they've taught me can't be true. God's right. not mad with me. Right. I'm right. not pregnant. Right. Yes. Well. <laughs> I haven't died. I haven't, you know, like yeah. And so I was I was really um I was really confused. I didn't know what to, you know, what to do with that. But I we continued our relationship. Um, but a really damaging uh, mindset that I had was, um, I believe one of uh, your podcasts has mentioned, um, you know, fire within a fire pit is good. And in that context, you know, it's, it's, it's serving its purpose and it's great. You just don't want it to spread outside of the fire pit. Yeah. And I think, I actually think that's a beautiful analogy for, um, uh, sex in general is like, it needs to be reserved for marriage. And in those confines, it is beautiful and it is wonderful. Um, but when you couple that with the teaching of like purity culture that I was taught growing up, I looked at that fire pit and I was like, well, I've lit the fire in the fire pit. I can't get out of the fire pit now. I can't, I, it's, it's dangerous if I let this fire out of the fire pit. And so that actually led to me being in a really not a great relationship for three and a half years in high school, because I thought like, well, the fire's in the fire pit. I can't, I can't let it out. Um, I've lost my virginity now. No one is going to want me um, outside of this relationship. Yeah. Um, and, and that was the shame that was so closely attached because yeah. this whole time I'm still going to youth. I'm still involved in, in, you know, my local church, but I'm not, I'm not hearing that redemption. I'm not hearing that, you know, I don't know if you've seen the YouTube clip of the message that uh, Matt Chandler did about the rose. rose. Yes. Yes. I heard about it just yesterday, but I haven't seen it yet. And yes. that's, a, that's a similar fire pit one, right? Like every uh, time with someone, it's the petal gets taken off the rose. 
I think, I think that this one, it's similar to that, similar to the petals being taken off, but I think it's just the rose was being handled. So an analogy, this, I never had this, like I never heard a message like this, but this obviously happened in, in several youth groups. It was a, a thing to explain sex before marriage. And so they would pass a rose around to everyone for the whole, like the whole message. And you could like do whatever you wanted to the rose basically. And when the rose got to the front, it was like, okay, who wants this rose? And Matt Chandler in his message just screams like, Jesus wants the rose. Like that is what he wants. Jesus wants the rose. And I never heard that. Um, I, I didn't hear that. And so, yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful, really beautiful um, clip. But yes, yeah, so, so back, to, back to my story. Um, I finally, you know, ended the relationship that I was in because it was, it just wasn't good for either, either of us. Um, but then I was left with this, okay, well, I'm, I've got spit in my cup. Like who wants me? And so I actually lowered my standards. Not that, not that I had standards for, I lowered my standards for myself in terms of what I thought I was able or who I thought I was able to date now. Because, you know, good Christian boys aren't going to want a girl that is, that has spit in her cup. And so that led to several relationships that were very unhealthy. Mm. Um, And, you know, I I had already, it's like I'd already crossed the line and I, I didn't know what to do because I wasn't hearing the message of, you know, there's grace, there's redemption, like Jesus that's the story of the whole Bible is Jesus is, is redeeming people. You know, you mentioned in your last podcast, the woman at the well, um, you know, he didn't condemn her. He told her not to sin anymore. Um, but I just missed that whole conversation. No one was telling me not to sin anymore because they weren't aware that I was sinning because I didn't bring it to anyone's attention because it was so, it was so taboo. So, um, yeah, that, that, um, led to a series of, really unhealthy relationships where I was either just dating the person for fun, which is a terrible idea. Um, but yes. And so when, when I was 17, one of those relationships actually resulted in me falling pregnant and that just took the whole shame to a whole nother level. Um, and I, yeah. So it, it, you know, here I was this small town, Christian girl growing up, growing up in a very conservative town who's, you know, fallen pregnant at 17. And I, um, I think if that, regardless of who that happens to, regardless of where you grow up or what your experience is like, that's, that's going to be difficult. <laughs> um, but I, I think that the, the hardest, the hardest part for me is that that was kind of the, the accumulation of all of the teachings in terms of like, um, okay, well, you know, I was taught growing up, like, if you, you know, if you have sex, you might become a teen mom and this and that. And it's like, oh, well, that actually happened to me. So they were right. You know, they, they, so it was a kind of full circle back to that, like shame all over again. Um, and fortunately, like I was, I was blessed with a family who was very, very supportive. Um, but I had, I had friends who, um, well, their, their parents would actually, they said that they couldn't see me anymore. They couldn't talk to me anymore as if pregnancy was contagious. contagious. Or something. <laughs> um, and so I was, I was really blessed with, um, a lot of support in my family. And that's kind of the, where my mind started shifting from this purity culture mindset to redemption mindset, because yeah. I was met with 
love and I was met with support and I was met with grace. Um, and it was difficult being in church because not everybody um, felt the same way about it. Um, but yeah, so I think that, um, yeah, over, over to you. Do you have any, like, specific- look, I'm, I'm loving what you're saying. Mm. Cause I've been doing a lot of kind of research on this and I've been doing some theology studies on this. Mm. And this is why your story is perfect timing because I, um, I'm actually preaching on it at our church this week oh, as well. Man. It's all into me. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited to hear you because I think, oh my goodness, I think even I've probably had the wrong narrative on purity um, because yes, although the truth and God still right throughout the Bible, and that's what I'm preaching on this weekend, right throughout the Bible, God still advocates for sex within marriage. Yes. But I think what's happened is we've only taught the abstaining and the virginity part Yes. And then in reality, the majority of people that I meet, the majority of people that Cameron and I marriage counsel have had sex outside of marriage. And what we haven't done is addressed the, well, what happens when we do fall short of God's standards? Mm-hmm. So I think we've had two extremes. We've got the progressives that are like, throw the standards out altogether because mm-hmm. they're harmful and mm-hmm. shame and people end up feeling shamed. And then you've got the conservative Christians, which are like the, you know, all the stuff that you've been talking about. And it's mm-hmm. like, I think we can come somewhere in the middle. I think there are still godly standards, but I think our narrative has to change. And you have just hit the nail on the head the narrative can't be virginity is the pinnacle. The narrative can't be that, you know, abstinence is the goal and shame is the means. I think, yes, we can teach God's standards, but the narrative has to be redemption. Totally. And that's where we've gotten it really wrong. We have left a generation feeling shamed and nowhere to go. And I think someone like you, that pushed you out even further because like you said, you're like, well, I've lit the fire in the pit. There's nowhere left for me to go. So I might as well keep going down the track I'm going down. And then you end up pregnant. Um, But you've, you have got a bit of a redemption message, right? Oh, absolutely. And this is, And this is where I wanted to go with this because I'm like, I know a lot of people that are listening have either experienced this or they are youth pastors and youth leaders. And I'm like, guys, listen to Katie because the narrative that we've been teaching for decades, it's the the truth is still the same, but the way we've been teaching it has been so wrong. Yes, yes. And that's, you know, I love what you said with the meeting in the middle. You know, the Bible's full of tensions. It's like both and you know it's like this and this that's what balances each other out you know i even i even think that politics could use a bit more of that is like we need each other you know like like we need the left and we need the right we need both um but yes so so um as i said i had a had a lot of a lot of support um when i did when i did fall pregnant and um, one of something you know miraculous happened. The the boyfriend that I had at the time, um, it was not a healthy relationship. Um, so I had to go through the whole. Well, I um, oh this. Sorry, I haven't even spoken about this. But there was this mentality. This is kind of the fire in the fire pit um, analogy of keeping it in the fire pit. It's been lit, so let's just keep it there. Um, was I really fought to, I, I knew a lot of people, or not a lot of people, but I knew people who um, maybe had fallen pregnant with their, um, you know, boyfriend and they just went off and got married. 
and kind of like, they were like, okay, well, we're just going to go get married real quick so that it's, you know, it's covered up or it's not that big of a deal. And I really had to fight that mentality because I was like, I, I, I ran straight back to God in this situation. Cause I was like, God, I'm, I don't know how I got here. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Um, and, but I knew that staying in that relationship for the sake of marrying the person I was, you know, who, who we were going to have a baby together. Like that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily the next best choice. Um, and I think that that is really, that's, I don't know about in Australia, but that's really common where I grew up is if you fall pregnant in a relationship, you, you know, that's, that's what you do. And there's, there's situations where that's good. And that's, you know, that is the next best, best step. But for me, I didn't want to make that decision based on fear and shame. Yeah. I wanted to make that decision based on, um, you know, what was going to be best for everybody in, involved. And um, God miraculously uh, wove together um, my husband and I. So we actually, we actually met when I was 10, 15 weeks pregnant and God he had had a, he had been dating around and he had had a conversation with God one day and he was like, God, okay, I'm done. I'm done dating around. I'm done, you know, doing anything, but the next girl that you bring into my life in a specific way, I'm going to marry her. <laughs> and unbeknownst to him, that was going to be uh, someone who, you know, was pregnant and, and it just, it, but, but the grace of God in this story, I want to really emphasize this is that if, you know, anybody who's listening to this right now, if you have, um, you know, lost your virginity, or if you are, even, even if you're pregnant, if you're a teen mom or any of those things, like the goodness of God is so available. It is so real. And you are not, you have not been thrown out. You were not a leper. I remember feeling very, very much like a leper. Um, that's, that's not the case. And his, and God's arms are like wide open, um, you know, just waiting for you to turn to him. Um, but yes, yeah, so the, the, the redemption aspect of, you know, we've discussed having, um, redemption being the missing ingredient to purity culture that came for me when I fell pregnant and was surrounded by, um, people who loved God and who loved me and who accepted me because of who I was, not because of what I had or hadn't done. It wasn't a tally mark that I had to tick, you know, in order to, to be worthy. Um, and that changed my life. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's kind of where I, um, I started realizing like, okay, the, the, the message that I've, I've held, like that I've held in my heart about being out, you know, if, if you've lost your virginity, you're out, you know, you're not worthy. You're not, you're not available. Um, I realized like, no, I did not make good choices, but I wasn't like damaged goods. I wasn't less valuable because of the choices that I had made. The choices resulted in, in consequences. Absolutely. And there's, there was a lot of pain and hurt mm -hmm. that came from, from me, not necessarily in falling pregnant at 17, but in, um, the relationships the, the previous relationships that I've had, it was very unhealthy. So there were, there were consequences to my actions. Um, but that didn't define my dignity as a human being and my worth in being, you know, a, a child of God. And I think that that was, um, yeah, it just, it just all came to a, a peak with, with, uh, you know, falling pregnant. 
Um, but the goodness of God is incredible. So do you think that God kind of taught you about redemption through the acceptance of your now husband? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So um, I'm, I've, th- I've thought about it in the past. I know it's definitely not the same situation, but you know, just how uh, Joseph was able to, you know, stick with Mary, regardless of what people thought and regardless of, you know, how, where, why they just saw, okay, you know, it, it was, it was a messy situation. There was a teen mom involved. There was, you know, Joseph, you know, who was on the side, but he, he was committed to what God had asked him to do. Yeah. And, and, and he was committed to, to Mary. And in the same way, like uh, Regan, my husband, like he, he was just, he was there. He was, he, um, as I said, we were, we started um, dating around 10, 15 weeks uh, when I was 10, 15 weeks pregnant. And he was in the labor and delivery room when Charlie was born. He was there from day one. He's been dad from day one. And, you know, here we are 10 years later and we've got two more children. We're, you know, in nearly full-time ministry. And, you know, it's just, yeah. that is the goodness of God. Like I, I could not do that on my own. Yeah. How, how did you first tell him? Like, you know that you're pregnant, right? 10, yes. 15, 10, whatever, 15 weeks, you start dating. How do you break that to a new boyfriend when you're 17? Oh, I just, I, I don't even, I honestly don't remember <laughs> how I told him. Um, I know that it was, I fully was expecting to, um, like that for the relationship to kind of be over. Yeah. Um, Cause I discovered it early. Like after we had met, I, I found out that I was pregnant. Okay. Um, and then I was just like, I have no idea what to do. And so I was trying to maintain some sense of normalcy in my life because at this point I was even, you know, like I was, I was being by um, uh, my previous, the, the boy that I was dating was pushing me for an abortion at the time. We were thinking about adoption. I mean, there was so much going on in my mind and a new, new guy in my life was really like, it wasn't the top of my priority list. Um, but yeah, I, I don't remember actually how I told him specifically, but I do remember telling him with the expectation, like, yeah. okay, that's, that's over. Um, and it was actually one of his friends that mentioned to him, you know, this, this girl, Katie, the, the, the girl that you, that you're, you, you're dating, um, she hasn't actually done anything wrong to you in terms of like, there's nothing, nothing's happened that she has done like to, to intentionally hurt you or to intentionally, you know, do anything. Um, but yeah, so I don't, yeah, I don't remember exactly how I told him, um, but for the first for the first few months of the the relationship, I um, was planning for, to put my son up for adoption, actually, because I was like, oh, I'm a teen mom. Like, I can't do this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And that's a good option for some people. But I remember um, having the conversation with Regan again, six months into the pregnancy, fully expecting for him to walk away again, because I was like, I, I think I'm going to keep him like this is what I this is what, you know, is going to happen. Um, and I expected it again with that conversation for him to be like, Oh, well, I'm not ready to be a dad. Sorry. Like Mm. it's been been good knowing you, but and he, he didn't. And so let's finish on this. I've got so much sunshine coming in my window right now. I'm I'm like, I'm moving over. I've got no nice plant behind me now. <laughs> so let, let's finish on this one then. Um, 
So what would you have rather have been taught growing up in the light of everything you went through? What do you think, you know, if there are a lot of youth pastors, youth leaders, even parents listening, what do you think we should be teaching when it comes to, you know, purity? Um, the, the broad answer is just the truth <laughs> in terms of like, not, don't, don't be afraid of, um, teaching redemption, um, because you're afraid of like the other extreme of people thinking like, oh, well, anything goes, it's all okay. You can do whatever you want and God will forgive you. So you don't have to worry about anything. There's no standards basically. Um, it doesn't have to be like that. I think that the biggest thing that I, I, um, wish I was taught, uh, was about the fact that, um, like redemption is, is what the Bible is all about in terms of taking your chaos, taking your brokenness and, and turning it into something good. Um, and you can't do that on your own, obviously. Um, but yes, I think that, um, just not, not teaching from a place of, of fear, because I feel like that's where a lot of the, the whole purity culture came from was parents who were like knee jerk reacting to, um, you know, like not like, like everybody was sexually active. So they were just trying to like, okay, let's just stop the bus. Like right now we've got to, we've got to get this under control. Um, but it just didn't, it just didn't, um, it didn't work. So I think, I think it's important to, um, have that balance of, Yes, teach, teach what it means to be pure in heart more than pure sexually. Because if you've got purity of heart, if you, you know, godly standards are, are beautiful and they're for your benefit and they're for your good. And so the no isn't a no that prevents you from um, being or that prevents you from, from having fun or prevents you from something. It actually, it actually is for your benefit. Mm. Um, and so I think just teaching um, teaching redemption, mm. uh, grace, but also purity of heart above any sort of external, because yeah. that's where it starts, you yeah. know? And like I said to you um, before we started recording, purity of heart is something that we all need, whether we're single, dating or married. Absolutely. We put all this pressure on young people and single people, but it it just is as relevant to keep God's standards when you're dating and when you're married, when you're married, particularly, you know, my dog's come again. Absolutely. Hello. (laughs) My little baby. So, yeah, well, our time has come to an end and this dog's about to get caught up in my battery. <laughs> um, Katie, I cannot thank you enough um, for everything that you shared for your story. Um, I think it's going to help so many people. Um, and I love where you've landed because like I said, the book club, and if anyone wants to join book club, come and have a look. My link is on my Instagram. You can come and join on Facebook because the girl that wrote that book ended a completely different pathway and, um, ended up quite broken. Um, she shares her story in there, but you know, she ended up, um, having an abortion and all sorts of stuff. And I look at the fruit of her life and I'm like, well, that's not great either. And she's advocating um, for us. She calls it a sex positive message. So she loves God, but she's all for everything affirming, you know? Um, And I'm like, well, she's kind of thrown out the Bible there um, because of her experience. So I love hearing your story. I think it's going to help so many people. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. 
It was honestly my pleasure. So anyone else that's listening, share this episode, especially if you think it's going to help someone, Um, share it with youth pastors, youth leaders, because I think um, the message needs to get out about the way that we talk about this with our young people. And we're going to unpack over the next couple of weeks how we can do that as well. So I'll see you all guys, all of you next week. Until then, have a great one. Bye.